another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. Uh, I'm Neil, here with Matthew Statler. And today we're excited because we're up in Santa Clarita, California for the ACBC Biblical Counseling Conference. Um, and, you know, one of the things we want to do is ask a couple of biblical counselors that we know to kind of give us an assessment on the biblical counseling movement, but also just some things that have been encouraging to them. So today uh, we have with us... I'm John Mark Weeman, and uh, first met Neil and Matthew through Mighty Oaks, and really cool to see them here at this Biblical Counseling Conference. Heck yeah, and you pastor out near here, why don't you talk about your church for a second? Sure, so we're located about three hours north of here um, in a place called Atascadero, California. I um, first got involved in Biblical Counseling actually when I was a seminary student. Oh wow. In fact, that's the reason I went to seminary. I just thought, I just want to be a biblical counselor, help people see answers to their problems from God's Word. Didn't know that I would become the preaching pastor, which <laughs> I've been for 23 years at our church. We have a biblical counseling training center there, and I'm now a fellow with ACBC. That's fantastic. So um, that leads me to ask the follow-up question. So you must have gone to the world's greatest seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological <laughs> Seminary. Is that, is that where you went to school? No, I went to Master oh, Seminary. Oh, man. Right. So close. So close. The, the Master <laughs> Seminary. Good to see you. That's awesome. Well, Matt, you had some uh, questions. Why don't you, why don't you yeah, so John, what are you concerned about in the biblical counseling movement? What are some areas of tension or some areas that you're concerned about? Hmm. I think first and foremost would be, I guess, the calling interest in biblical counseling. Why are people, why would people get involved to begin with? Yeah. And I think when we look at the life of Christ, the chief motivation should be to care about people's souls, right? And motivated with a sincere interest in wanting people to know God, to trust God, and to follow God. Not using it for any other means. Not, it's not a power trip. It's not, look at me, I've got all the answers. Yeah. It's helping people to see how wonderful God is, how Jesus is the wonderful mm -hmm. counselor, and how sufficient is the Word of God. Yeah. And so, primarily, anybody interested in biblical counseling, do they really have the right motivation? Yeah. Is it, is, and are they... Not only interested in it, but are they called to that ministry? And then another would be just to see the sufficiency of God's Word. So I think in the biblical counseling movement still, sometimes there's a fascination with things outside of God's Word. That, because problems can be pretty complex, and you guys know that. And so there's a lot of other ideas and methodologies and theories of how to treat man's problem. But... God gives us answers in His Word, and I think we need to stick to the Word of God and really minister to people's souls. Oh, man, that's excellent. Thank you. Uh, what are areas that you are personally studying in biblical counseling or in that area, or passages or anything like that? Hmm. Um, uh, well, one of the cases right now that I'm counseling is a guy has repeated brain seizures, yeah. and so looking at God's... Um, sovereignty that trying to help this man understand that this is not outside of God's control and somehow this is going to be used for God's glory and for this man's good so study of Romans chapter 8 and yeah. looking at that more closely looking at the letter of first Peter and suffering and how do we deal with suffering 
looking at the book of James and how do we walk wisely. Um, also, there is um, mar marriages that are, I think people have a hard time asking forgiveness and ask, and granting forgiveness. So what does forgiveness really mean? And looking at scriptures, whether it's Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what does love look like? Right, right. What is agape love? So I've been spending more time in those areas. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, what is encouraging to you about the biblical counseling movement? I think the it's encouraging, especially we could see today at the conference that we're at here, is the consistency from all these different speakers and you have different strengths and weaknesses or different um, emphasis in the way that they speak but consistently we're hearing God's word is more than sufficient yeah. for all matters of life and practice and that really encourages me we, we have over 20 from our church here and everybody's been impressed with because again, the teachers are so different. You know, you can have one that's clearly more pastoral, and another well, that sounds like a professor. Right. But yet, all woven throughout is how sufficient God's word is for mm. our lives. That's mm. so rich. What advice would you give to a lay person just starting out? I would say I, I, my advice would begin with um, biblical counseling is really what it is is discipleship through the word of god it's like intense discipleship and if you could avail yourself to help somebody else the nice thing is you'll find out they either will tell you or you will discover as you ask questions specifically where they need help so it leaves a lot of the guesswork out of the game and if you're going to get involved in biblical counseling you really should pursue some kind of certification for your own benefit it's going to it's going to help you to grow in what you really believe because you're going to have to explain on an exam what you believe. And then also it'll help you be more prepared for helping other people. So if you could be part of like a training center or be in touch with someone who is a biblical counselor, they can help you in that process. That way you have support and encouragement. Yeah. So you've done this for over 20 years now. Um, you've seen a lot of uh, shiftings of the guard, if you will, over, over this period of time. How have, how has uh, seeing the different leadership strategies or emphases throughout the years helped you uh, to then go home, minister, equip uh, the saints in your church for mm -hmm. the work of, of this kind of ministering of the word? Yeah, I think that when you're faithful, when you're in ministry, you can get kind of uh, isolated at times, and you begin to wonder, "Wow, is any fruit coming of this?" And then you come to a conference like this, and there's thousands of people, and they're yeah. all excited about the Word of God, and they're like, "Yes, I'm not the only one." I mean, of course, in our church, a lot of people are excited, but if you're, you know, if you're more isolated than I am, you can be in a very small church or whatever, and so seeing the different leaders and speakers and meeting people and getting that encouragement and staying in contact really it it helps momentum and realize god's called us to do this i'm not alone there's brothers and sisters throughout the world that are doing this also and so if we can encourage each other like hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 talk about let us spur one another on i come back from a conference like this and i'm like all right let's go you know yeah. there's momentum and and there's a lot of excitement and yeah you want to build on that fired up yeah that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's great so in, in, in your training center, right, what is a particular 
uh, we'll, we'll say a typical problem that you, you want to try to ensure that uh, the folks in your church are equipped to deal with uh, just because, you know, every church kind of deals with certain things at certain periods of time, right? And you want to you want to preach God's word effectively, help them to think about these things biblically, but also in the one another ministering of God's word. We also want to equip people to be competent to walk folks through that. So what's a maybe a typical problem or a particular issue that you're trying to train up and equip your folks in? Right now, I would say the primary one is we've had a number of people come through our training, which really help shape their thinking, especially whether they're parents or they're leading a, one of our home groups, community groups, or something like that. But still, I think the tendency is, oh, you've got problems, you need discipleship, go see the pastor. Mm. And only the pastors are qualified to do that. Well, every member of the church is a minister. That's the right. scriptures teach that repeatedly. So really what we're trying to do, we got together as elders this past summer, so we really need to not only equip, but encourage people that they can minister to one another. And not everybody needs to come to a pastor on staff. We can disciple and counsel one another. And that's what we're really trying to encourage and be real specific in how they can do that. What do you think the the pain line is there? Like, what what, what is it that people believe um, that would keep them from doing one another discipleship? I think probably the most common one, if you're on the giving end, is uh, I might not have all the answers. Yeah, yeah. What do I do if I don't have the answers? And that's what we're here for. You know, the elders of the church is like, well, we can help you in that, yeah. but we're not going to do it for you. So there's a little bit of a fear factor, I think. And then on the other end is the person who needs help. Maybe it's a bit of a, a pride factor where they're like, well, my community group home leader technically is not a pastor, and I need an expert on this subject, so I'm going to go straight to the pastor. And what we're going to do is say, no, he can handle that. Hey, did you talk to your CG leader? <laughs> we point him back and say, he can help you. With yeah, yeah. You don't need to come see us. That's good. Yeah, I, I run into that a lot in our church. It's just... There's these various fears or lies that we may hold fast to mm -hmm. uh, that will, you know, hinder you from doing the work that God's called you to do. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, man, I'm just really encouraged in how you're, you know, laboring and equipping your people for the mm -hmm. work of ministry yeah. uh, out here in California. And and I'm also just encouraged for those of you who don't know uh, on our and our listener crew. Uh, John Mark's been just such a, a good resource for Mighty Oaks over the years. They've hosted many graduations, and, and even the pulpit at my church is designed after John Mark's pulpit <laughs> in his church. <laughs> so, uh, man, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and you know talking through some of the things that you're passionate about. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Matthew. And I just need to come and visit and put yeah. my initials in your pulpit. That's maybe. right. You can come <laughs> preach there, man. I, I love it. All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening to the Gospel Lifeline. Until next time, Neil and Matt, we out.